Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Dave Neal here. Welcome to the SAP Podcast. To my audio listeners, how are you? To my Patreon on the video, good to see you. Happy Friday, everybody. September 10th is when you're listening. I'm recording this September 9th. I'm heading to New York City tonight, the good old red eye. Let me tell you something. There is nothing easier to me than jumping on a red eye flight across the coast. Five and a half hours, pop an edible right before you hit the plane, which, by the way, are legal now at LAX. Did you know this? You can bring eight milligrams of mother's uh, Mary Jane. <laughs> I, sound, I sound like an undercover cop. The, the mother's, the devil's lettuce, whatever. <laughs> you can bring it right into the airport. I mean, when you get wherever it is you're going, you have to do with it as you may. But uh, that's where we are. We just decided it wasn't that bad, which is wild because, I don't know if you guys heard this in the news, three comedians in Los Angeles died on Saturday night of a cocaine fentanyl overdose. As in, and I don't know much about Coke, but fentanyl, that's a, that's a, I guess drug dealers are putting that into the cocaine to make it um, stronger. So maybe, maybe they're cutting the cocaine. So they're, they're spreading the cocaine out and then they're putting, whatever the case may be, three died. I, 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 I've done shows with one of them. Didn't know, didn't know the person. One survived, and I believe she's just finally now, like four days later, talking. You know, she's finally like waking up and talking, Kate Quigley. So thoughts and prayers to her for surviving that. I mean, listen, obviously cocaine, that's a sort of a harder drug than something like marijuana. I'm no drug expert, but all I can say is, yikes, a lot of people do coke, and a lot of people don't expect to die from it and expect... uh, drugs to be laced inside of it but i guess that's the world we live in and that's not random either a lot of people are talking about that these issues that are existing out there i mean heavy stuff heavy stuff my addictions diet um diet coke which is also not good diet coke just kills you slower and also iced coffee over here it's pumpkin spice latte season now i know last week i didn't get you guys a podcast it's bananas how many YouTube videos I'm making and yet I'm still finding it hard to get the podcast out probably because you know that's just not where the revenue is these days so it's kind of like if you make money cleaning out your garage you're but you don't make money cleaning out your you know uh your bedroom closet your bedroom closet's gonna be dirty that's kind of the way I look at it it's not that I don't love you guys it's just you know I've been following the money there. And uh, and that's how it's been all year. But what a crazy week it's been. We had, if you don't follow Bachelor content, good for you. I'm impressed. But for those of the, you that you do, which is pretty much 99% of my YouTube following, what a wild week. We had a guy named Brendan gets pretty much called out, goes on goes on Bachelor in Paradise, which is just an open season, bump bumping Harry's, you're going to the boom boom room. It's just a beach where people are banging, essentially. Everyone's trying to match up. And every episode, the guys get the roses, which means they get to choose the women that'll stay. And if they don't have a match, then the women go home. Then the next episode, the women get the roses and choose which guys to stay. So if you form a connection with someone, you can just give each other roses the whole season, which, you know, you make more money, you get more Instagram followers, you build that that clout, that equity, and all that jazz, which is a very, you know, that's a very noble thing. It's a very noble thing in the world we live in to build your following because that's just, that's what pays the bills these days. Now, I can't tell you how many people I meet and talk to that had corporate jobs that they thought paid them well, you know, maybe in the six figures, something like that. But then they realize they can do half the work 
working for themselves and make twice the money. And it makes you wonder, where does all the money go? Like when you work for a corporation, all of the free meals, the luncheons, you know, you know, the economics term, there's no such thing as a free lunch. All of the ad money that's spent and the money that's spent on the CEO jet setting around the country, that's all money that comes from the workers. When you can create revenue, and I'm no expert at this, folks, but when you can create revenue on your own terms and build your own equity, you don't have all of those expenses just flying out the window, you know? So I keep on meeting people that do such a thing. And what we've learned from the pandemic, late stage capitalism, is that people just aren't happy with the jobs that they have. I've got friends, now don't get me wrong, boatloads of empathy out there. I've got friends that are struggling right now, you know, friends that are in between homes and don't know what to do with their lives. Absolutely, I get it. But I also have friends that are having money thrown at them by corporations to go back to work, to jobs they don't want to be a part of. And that's a powerful thing too. You know, they talk about a worker shortage versus a like people that actually want to do the stupid jobs shortage. My hometown in Newport, Rhode Island doesn't have enough people to work in the restaurants. And part of that is because they rely on uh, Irish people to come over in the summer, which is true. They actually rely on a bunch of Irish people um, that come to my hometown over the summer to work all the gift shops and all the uh, different, you know, you know, uh, touristy destinations, the, the, the restaurants and all that. And that doesn't exist this year because of, you know, the pandemic. Uh, but it just makes you, it just, it's not, I, I, I look at this, you know, parents are small business owners. I, I just look at this as like, fuck the man, right? Like fuck the companies that thought they could get by with labor you know, that, you know, like take Tasha, for example, right? She's, she works as a fit model and it's pays relatively well, but she hasn't got a pay increase in six years because there's a set rate. And it's just like the minimum wage. Like these things don't go up every year. So there's plenty of people that have jobs that just don't appreciate them. The second they get the chance to find a better job, poof, gone, gone. And can you be mad at somebody? We talk about like a free market economy. Like you set the price, people will work at it. If they don't want to work, you got to raise the price, all that. Now, obviously people say, oh, with unemployment, people don't want to go back to work. Well, that ended this week. That ended this week. So we're going to have to see where if people put their money where their mouth is, we'll have to see if people go back to jobs they don't like, or if they're going to realize, you know what, that 40 hour a week job, which is always 50, that 50 hour a week job that I didn't love. I can do that in 15 hours. I'll give you guys 15 hours. As long as I get the job done, take it or leave it. People are negotiating that. People are coming to terms with the fact that having time to spend with their family is more valuable than just running hard. You can only run so hard for so long. It's been such a wild, um, weird result of a global pandemic where people go, you know what? We pride ourselves, right? The all-American dream. Buy a home. Ah, you can't do that now, right? You can't do it. You need a couple hundred thousand dollars cash, easy to, to, to think of a home. Now, nah, maybe you're in the Midwest and it's, uh, you know, but all where all the major jobs are in the major cities, you can't buy a home unless you have help from outside sources or you bought it a few years ago. It just ain't happening. It ain't happening. Prove it, prove it wrong. Be, be the person that makes it, you know, but for the most part, you know, no, no one's jobs you know, pay is get, is increasing at the level of inflation that the homes are increasing. Uh, so we look at that. We go, well, that American dream's dead. And then you go, well, at least Americans, we're known to work hard. You know, when I studied abroad in Europe, this is 15 years ago and changed 17 years ago, really. Wow. Getting old. 
Is it 18 years ago? Oh boy, my knees hurt. When I studied abroad, people, you know, in Europe, people go, you know what? Studies actually show these lazy French that the Americans call lazy French. They actually work harder per hour. They just don't work as hard. They just don't put in as many hours. How many Americans are just, you know, yeah, I know, I know this because half my audience is listening at work, which, hey, I appreciate that. But, you know, there's just people like with automation and, and with the internet and all this, we don't have to work as hard. We just, you know, so we need, we need to rethink our priorities and how we sort of cope with jobs and what they actually mean. And, you know, the companies that dangle healthcare in front of us, imagine if everyone just had good healthcare to begin with and companies had to pitch to us why we should work for them. And it wasn't, well, because we got good healthcare. I mean, really break that down. Let's be the company. Because we keep you healthy, you should want to work for us. How backass is that? Anyway, so I'm excited when I hear from friends that are saying, you know what? I'm going freelance at this job. I'm going to give them X amount of hours. I'm going freelance at that job. And, you know, I'm just going to make it work. I don't want to do it all. I don't want to have to be somewhere. I don't want to have to, as a boss, if I, a boss, if I can travel. I am beyond grateful that this year I've become full-time with YouTube. Now, I'm still looking to protect myself in other ways because YouTube could go away tomorrow. Some weird tech laws could be passed. They could just decide there's another ad apocalypse, which means, you know, they start paying their creators less. But as it's been all year long, they paid me pretty well. It's been okay. And it's and it's growing. And the summer was a little slow. Maybe people were finally getting out and now the fall's kicking up. But to bring it back to Bachelor in Paradise, we have contestants, Brendan and Piper, that had been dating casually. Maybe they haven't defined their relationship, but it was about as close as defined as you're going to get. They decide to go on the show. Brendan goes on four or five episodes before Piper, maybe six. And in order to secure the rose, he toys with Natasha, a beautiful um, uh, black lady on the show, which factors into it because when, when, when issues like we're about to talk about happen, you've got... You know, you've got systemic issues, I should say, that exist out there. So this guy, Brendan, white guy model, good looking. I mean, yeah, sure. I don't know what his ethnicity is, but he's a guy from Boston. Parents are roofers. He's a model. 348,000 followers. He goes on Bachelor in Paradise because it's a good opportunity for him. But he's already in a relationship. So he strings Natasha along. He says, oh, let's take things slow. I'm divorced. I don't like to rush into things. And she goes, all right, he doesn't like to rush into things. He's a beautiful guy. He's charming, this and that. They take it slow. Piper arrives. He immediately ditches Natasha for Piper. Everyone looks at Natasha as like this person who was just taken advantage of, used, abused, um, a gaslighted, all these different terms people use. And whichever are true, I'm not a psychologist. But the point is, is he used her to secure the bag, secure the rose, and waiting for Piper to arrive. And then Piper arrives, and they immediately hit it off. But then what they don't realize is Piper like, and him didn't have their game set. And again, this could all change. And for the people that don't listen to Bachelor, I don't know if this is even interesting. Maybe it is. But Piper did, and they go on a date, and Piper didn't have the same story that Brendan had. So we're just watching a lie play out where Piper's like, I thought we were together. I thought, I thought you, I thought we, we were us. And he's like, he's still trying to play along like he's single. Well, you know, you know, I love to pursue things. And she's like, what do you mean pursue things? So she gets all defensive and then their covers are blown. He's like, all right, idiot. Of course I'm with you. And then as audience, we're going, oh my gosh, Natasha wasn't in on all this. Natasha has been getting used this whole time. Cause deep down we're thinking, all right, maybe Natasha's like, 
friends with them and she's sort of like playing the game and this because you it's it, the lines are blurred between what's produced and what's not so it's looking ugly people get pissed brendan had built his following which translates into money if you're a model or a dj or whatever you do in entertainment influencer and artist comic and you can build a following they're going to pay your bills. They're going to show up to your events. They're going to buy your thing. They're going to join your Patreon, your OnlyFans. They're going to throw you Venmos. 348,000 followers did this since he was on uh, as like a fan favorite of Tasha's season of The Bachelorette. Made it to like third or fourth place and then sort of self-eliminated and said, oh, I just don't, I'm not ready. Does it again with Natasha. Gets cold feet and then all of a sudden flips with Piper. People get pissed. I called it the great unfollowing that happened on Monday. People just started letting this guy know it. They all unfollowed. 348,000, down to 300,000, down to 319, down to three. He just go, and I'm going to, I'll look it up right now because I don't have the number off the top of my head. He keeps on losing his followers, which is, you know, very detrimental to any sort of career path he's pursuing. He goes from 348, he's down to 260. So he's lost like over a full football stadium full of his following. And meanwhile, Natasha went from 78,000. I'm going to look her up right now. She went from 78,000 to 383,000. And why is this important? Well, this is like their, this is their gig, right? This is what they do. This is their equity. This is how much they're worth. So Bachelor Nation already is sort of racist in several different ways. And look, maybe you aren't if you're in Bachelor Nation, so don't get defensive. But collectively, more white contestants build a bigger following than black contestants. Maybe that falls along the lines of the demographics. Who knows? Either way, Natasha has been uh, uh, you know, involved in podcasts and part of the show for a long time. Way too long to only have 70... 8,000 followers. Well, now she just, that she spring loads 500, 600% just in a matter of days. And it's a wild thing that's happening. So now she's got this equity she's never had before where she can go, look, I, you know, maybe she used to charge $1,200 for an Instagram post. Well, she's six times more followers now. So it's like, all right, I'm going to charge $8,000 for an Instagram post or even 12,000 because it's not always the following you have now, but it's the trend you're going on. It's like, are you going to invest in me or not? And this is late-stage capitalism. So when people wonder why, and when we say late-stage capitalism, I'm not an expert in economics or this or that, but I have a little bit of an understanding as like a freelancer out here. It's the idea that everyone's out for themselves. Now, Brendan and Piper were probably motivated by building their followings. They're like, look, we already love each other. Let's craft this story on the show. If they didn't have Natasha as collateral damage, it wouldn't be that big of a deal, but they played with someone else's heart and made her look stupid and all the other things and triggered a lot of people that have that have had fuck boys and people along the way that have not treated them with respect or used them till something better came along, hit it and quit it as it were. So it doesn't make it right what Brendan and Piper were trying to do, but how ironic that they were going on a show to build their following, which they rightfully pretty much admitted and at this point, it's like, call it, call it out. You know, this is the fourth wall of Bachelor Nation where no one really calls out what they're actually trying to do. But what they're trying to do is, like, build their following because that's 
Look, I mean, you don't just, like, plenty of contestants have gone back to their normal jobs, but plenty couldn't go back. It's like, you can't go back to scooping ice cream, okay? You can't, because people are going to try to take photos with you. You're a distraction to the employer. There's several different um, contestants that were flight attendants. They couldn't go back to that. They're just getting recognized left and right. It's maybe, maybe they could go back, but it also it's like, if you can get a job where, you know, you can raise a family, like someone like Becca Martinez, who's the chatty broads, she's able to incorporate her family into her influence or lifestyle you know while i while i can be critical of people for like for what they do when it comes to survival and trying to do what's best for your family you have these contestants like amanda stanton she goes on the show bachelor when she has two kids and you know i was pretty critical oh but just be a mom what are you doing and it's like well she's made millions of dollars she's done very well as a mother and yes, it required her to be away from her kids for a month, but she was able to build that equity. And that's just the world we live in. You know, people are getting paid so little and and, and aren't being taken care of by their corporate jobs and, 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 and everything else. And, you know, the cost of living has gone up so much that you can't fault people for trying to get more out of it. It's just the collateral damage. It's the way he talked about Natasha and it's, and it's all the other little things is where you have to be careful. So the irony being, they go on the show to build their followers. They end up losing so many that Natasha now has more followers on Instagram than Piper and Brendan combined. Piper's sort of throwing Brendan under the bus. He's saying, you know, like, it's just, it's all damage control. It's a ton of apologies. And right after I record this, I'm going to be speaking with Dr. Diane um, Strakowski, who uh, is a psychologist and a therapist, and she she also covers a bachelor. So we're going to be talking about, um, you know, what it means to apologize, what it means to own up, because there's been a lot of apologies this week in Bachelor Nation because people are put into positions where they they don't always succeed. They're put into positions where they're making choices that go against more their, their morals and the morals of their audience. And um, we live in a world we call it cancel culture. We call it different things. But we live in a world where people's followings can be built quick and they can be teared down even quicker. And to an audience that is wondering like, how do I, how do I do my own thing? How do I get rid of having a boss and have the free will? That isn't that what all, we all want is free will. We just don't want to be told what to do, where to go. We want to work hard. I really believe humans want to work really hard doing things that we love to do. When you're not doing something that brings you passion, it does the exact opposite. It just drains you emotionally. Now I work, you know, I make 20 videos a week and I get on stage and I have a blast doing it because I love what I do. It, I still get exhausted, but not nearly at the level I would if I was making money for someone else renting out my time. So I use myself as a case study for a life that's like slowly building things brick by brick. Good things sometimes take a while to achieve. That's why they're good. That's why they're worthwhile. There's a lot of people going after them. Randy Posh, the brick wall isn't meant to peep, keep people out. It's meant to show people how bad they want something. I, I tell you what, I have, and it's, and it's tough to have a direction. It's tough to know what you want your niche to be. You know, but I just interviewed a Bachelor Data. You're going to listen to that one on the public channel, on my YouTube channel. Bachelor Data, her name's Susanna. She comes at things she doesn't have a degree in statistics or she's not a mathematician. She's an educator. And she realizes that there isn't much statistical information about Bachelor Nation. In a time when there's a lot of uh, issues with casting, diversity. So normally there's a cast of maybe 20, on Bachelor, you got one Bachelor and 25 women. 
So up until last year or two years ago with Rachel Lindsay, it was essentially all white leads. Now there was a couple, Juan Pablo and a couple uh, either Hispanic or mixed ethnicity people, but for the most part, not, not good representation. And there would be the token black guy, the token white guy, the token Latina. They'd have they'd have, they'd throw people in there, but then they wouldn't get the same screen time as the person the lead would choose. And it just became some cycle that was over and over. Bachelor Data, Susanna, she creates her channel over the just beginning of the pandemic. She's already had 80,000 Instagram followers and she has a private academy where she teaches how to, how to make all the different graphics and, and all that. But she uses Bachelor as an example to show not only who's being cast ethnicity-wise, but how much representation they're getting on the screen. So if you listen to that episode I had with, with Susanna, it's super fascinating because they're measuring down to the second when a lead is in front of the camera, how much time they're getting. And they were able to show in previous seasons that just because there was diversity in quote unquote diversity on screen, it wasn't at the level that people were, you know, were really craving, you know, an honest look at, at uh, casting people of different color. Now, colorism comes into this, which we've talked a ton about, because you've got someone like in Brendan's situation where he's ditching Natasha, a black woman, for a, a lighter-skinned mixed ethnicity woman in Piper, there's this feeling, which I would know nothing about as a, just a standard token white guy, that darker-skinned people are less than. And it really plays into our history of ra uh, the ra racism and slavery. The uh, brown paper bag rule that they had, where if you were darker than a certain color of the brown paper bag, you weren't allowed to apply for jobs or go into certain restaurants. So it, we in Hollywood, which I've worked in for a long time, there's you know the Somali pirate, the bad guy's always like in the James Bond film was the the darker skin guy and the lighter skin was the love lead. And th this is stuff that you see across the board in Hollywood. Now things are starting to change, but it takes people like Bachelor Nate, Bachelor Data to say all right, let's analyze who's getting the screen time and then we can hold people accountable when we say producers, look, I mean, you guys don't even have an executive uh, producer who's black. How are you going to tell the story of a lead who's black? And they've changed this year. They've started to change in ways where they were just doing superficial changes. And I don't know if you can blame Bachelor. I mean, it's pro you can hold them accountable, but it's probably the same in a lot of in a lot of uh, cultures um, where there's ranking systems with corporations and colleges and this and that, there's people that get power and they want to hold on to it. There's there's white men that want to give it to their white sons and there's white and that's just the way that it exists. And it's good to see change that happens and it it doesn't happen without making loud noises. And Bachelor Data was able to just without any bias, you know, of course. They're, they're kind of uh, providing qualitative data. Like they're showing like someone's on the screen X amount of times, but it, you know, it's not always cut and dry because there might be several people on the screen. Who's the, who, you know, who, what's the storyline about this and that, but they were able to just be like, look, here's a pie chart of how it all looks. And, and stats really talk when you provide visuals to them. When you take the numbers and make them visual, you can really see what a stat is. It's much easier to see the magnitude of a pyramid rather than to read on paper. There was 722,000 square feet of pyramid bricks. It's like, no, show me the photo of that pyramid, you know? So the interview I had with her was fascinating because she provided a very specific uh, set of information where there was a gap, a very specific um, uh, 
set of information where there was people that there, there was, sorry, sorry for the loss of thought here. There's, there's like, who would have thought in bachelor nation that we needed that much, um, statistical analysis with regards to, um, with, with regards to like screen time on the show, but she carved out a niche and everyone's, you know, it's, it's very tough to get into travel blogging. As an example, everyone wants to be a travel blogger. Everyone wants to get paid to go travel along. Absolutely. Um, but where can you find an opening that's different than everyone else? So Tasha and I went to Belize and I'm choosing thumbnails for the Belize vlog that we made, which is on Tasha's page, Tasha Courtney. And, um, uh, you know, I'm thinking, what like what do we call this? We visited different hotels, we did different excursions. Do we call it enjoying Belize, which is very broad, and who doesn't want to enjoy Belize, a nice, uh, you know, uh, Caribbean, uh, Central American country, or do we go like the best resorts in the jungles of Belize? Like getting very specific. So I think that's where the markets go in today's society. Where how specific can you pinpoint what you want to do? You know, bachelor data. They're going to be doing data for other reality shows, but they started very specifically in Bachelor Nation. For my channel, I, do, I give very specific stories about Bachelor, you know, you call it gossip. I try not to, I try not to inflame too many rumors. I try to get, provide different sides of the story and expect that we're all trying the best with the information we have and, you know, try to put out some, some of those fires. But we talk about a lot of case studies within Bachelor Nation. One day, if the channel gets big enough, yeah, it would be nice to talk more about Britney Spears and other social issues within entertainment and, and, and better ways to communicate and even better ways to build wealth through your freelance skills or hobbies or make a life that's worth living that doesn't rely on, you know, the, the old school corporate lifestyle. You know, it'd be nice to get in all that. But right now, the bread and butter is surgically talking about Bachelor Nation until the audience gets to a tipping point where they'll follow me to different places. Um, and I have to say this, coming out of the pandemic, the last few months has been great with stand-up. Um, it was so hard to do only several shows during a full year's worth of time. How quickly the brain can atrophy when it's not using the skill that it that it knows, which, you know, live stand-up comedy, it's very fast. It's like, it's almost like, it's almost like I, I knew how fast I needed to juggle with my hands, but I could, but my hands couldn't move fast enough. So my brain's there, but it's actually the opposite with stand-up. The brain's moving slower, so I'm talking because I'm like I'm used to talking. I talk all the time, but that brain connection that pulls the jokes down from the library that needs to be done at a moment's notice, and I need to be thinking of the next thing while I'm saying the current thing. Whatever that thing is, whatever that that um, that uh, hard wire is in my brain. It's going, it's, you know, it was going, uh, it was, it, it wasn't there. I needed to rebuild it again. And that's something that, um, just, you have to trust that it's going to come back. You have to trust that when, you know, you take some time off, you'll get the fastball back again. Um, so for me, it, it felt like some growing pains getting back into it. And, you know, we're just saying this to you guys because, you know, I'm trying to be a little more personal than I am on my YouTube page. Quick sip of coffee. But I trusted and I said, Dave, don't be so hard on yourself. You're going to suck for a little bit. You know, just 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 get out there. And for some sometimes it's our fear 
of sucking at whatever it is we're either getting back into or whatever it is out there. It's our fear of kind of not, not being able to pick things up right away that sometimes we don't even want to try. And it's almost like the same when it comes to, for me, like um, I've gained a few pounds, right? And like, I'm not where I want to be goal weight, but I'm actually so far away from where I want to be goal weight that I'm not even like trying too hard to lose five pounds. You know, like, like ideally I'd like to do 15 and then people go, oh, Dave, you're fine. Trust me. Like the belly, yeah, one ounce a week, you know, one ounce a month over the pandemic has really added some weight that it used to be, I'd gain 10 pounds over Christmas, but I would lose it real fast. Cause it's like, oh, it's quick garbage weight. You just lose it. I slowly gained weight this whole year. And now I'm like, oh my gosh, this is going to be a little hard to lose, but I'm going to have to get out there and not try to be perfect and not try to have a beach body day one, but just understand that trusting the process. So for creative stuff like stand-up, trusting the process and knowing, all right, I'm not going to be great. I have to say old jokes I don't want to do. Let's not worry about writing the really funny stuff right away. Just start getting on stage. And that, And I tell you what, as I started to get back on stage, new jokes started to come to me. I started to think in that way again that I had stopped for the year that I wasn't per performing live stand-up. And so I don't know what it is you guys are after. Maybe you played music and you want to get back into it. Maybe you want to blog, but you just don't feel the courage or the conviction in, in what you're saying. You don't feel like it's good. You just got to get those, those muscles going. You got to just tin man it and get the, get the oils on the rusty joints and trust that we all possess that thing in our brains that growth, that creative spark, we all possess it. You know, I was watching a little bit of a, um, and by the way, for the for the video people that are watching, it looks like there's crazy lag happening. So I apologize for that, but you know, this is all audio anyway. So just bear with me if it um, if the video looks all choppy. Uh, right now, I'm just noticing on my screen that it, it's, um, it's having a hard time computing. But um, you know, I was watching Bob Ross documentary. And this is a guy that like got into painting and I, we all know Bob Ross, like, you know, the, the big perm hair and, and he, you know, happy accidents, this and that. But he really, he really has a great message where he goes, look, you think you make a mistake on the, on the page, turn that into something. You know, you think you make a mistake in your life, turn it into something. Uh, so we're, we're, no one's as hard on us as we are on ourselves. So the, the idea is that I'll leave you with is go easier on yourself, be kind but give yourself the time to play. Give, give yourself the time to explore what it is you think you might want to do with the rest of your life. Life can be a long time. Now it could all, it, no, no matter how you look at it, whether life's a long time or whether it ends tomorrow, why spend it doing something that you don't love to do? So I guess the message for everyone, you know, and that I continue to tell myself is to just trust the process. And if the process is not knowing what's next, Find all the qualitative things that you love. Find all of the uh, aspects of life that bring you joy. Really think about it. What is bringing me joy right now? Is it gardening? Is it filmmaking? Is it, do I love coffee? Do I love trying different coffee shops and think that I could be a coffee shop blogger? What is it that brings me love? And just find a way to share information that you've received in, a high, in the highest frequency of energy that you can. Uh, and that's how people come become experts at the most random things like like computing data for bachelor nation and that's in and it's that thirst that they have that brings them the most wealth 
not whatever side job you had that you do half-assed. It's the thirst for sharing whatever your gift is. And if we can all really dive into what our gifts are in life, I think we can uh, do a better job of sharing them with others. And I think that's where we're all, we're all trending, right? Like I said, everything's becoming automated. But one thing they can't automate is how we inspire each other, how we share the things in life that bring us joy with others. And when you can master that and when you can really figure that out, the world's yours, baby. The world is yours. Um, so anyway, I'm going to keep this thing short here because uh, I do apologize before I had, to, I had to re, you know, my computer completely shut down. Everything was glitching. So, I, so I'm having some technical difficulties. Tosh and I are flying to the East Coast and I'll definitely report more to you uh, once we have, uh, we're going to do a little vlog of our New York City travels, stand-up shows, Friday night, Brooklyn, Sunday night, Brooklyn, and Sunday afternoon, Lower East, our East Village. And if you're in New York City, in Brooklyn or Manhattan, uh, come by to a show. Let's laugh and have fun. And uh, and if anyone has any questions, concerns, you can DM me on Instagram, at Dean Niels. That's going to do it for me. Everyone have a great weekend, and I will talk to y'all later. Bye now. <laughs>